0: Happy New Year to you guys. We're what, 2 weeks in now to the new year and hopefully there's been new routines, fresh start. Uh, God's good about that. We have this calendar that rolls over and has a new year and so it gives us a chance to say, "All right, new beginnings, new start. Here we go. Let's try some fresh things and and new habits or whatever that's going to be there, we're going to be healthier physically, spiritually, emotionally, whatever that is that we're going to we're going to do. The great thing is God is the same yesterday, today and forever. He stays faithfully consistent uh, in spite of my inconsistencies that are there. But. But here we are with that. I don't know how you're doing with the challenge that Mark gave us last week. Are we are we in a Bible reading plan? Have we have we downloaded one of those? Have we picked up a piece of paper on one of those or where are we at with that? Uh, did you go to the website and grab that or or where are you at with journaling? Have you started taking notes in a different way that you can hang on to that so you don't lose it? And where's your small group at? Are you connected to a small group? Are you working on that? Where is your community in that way? to discuss and talk and, and hear things that others um, didn't hear. You help them and they help you, and it's just kind of doing life together in that way. We have all of those things that are laid before us, and, and here I am getting to, to follow up that this week. It's not quite exactly what we had planned as a staff, but obviously it's what God has planned, and so we're going to trust Him in this, and, and I will do my best to present God's Word to you in hopefully a way that will stick in your heart. Uh, that will be there for that. Now, I don't know about you about New Year's resolutions or whatever. We tend to, to make those. We have goals for the year, resolutions. Maybe you get your one word for the year that God's put on your heart and kind of done that. We're talking about that in youth ministry a lot right now, and and kind of where we are with that. And and when I was in college, anybody ever have a bucket list? Anybody have a bucket list? You have? A, okay, few early service. They were ashamed to raise their hand for some reason. But um, but but I was like, man, I'm the only one with a bucket list. I feel terrible, but. But the bucket list thing, I was challenged by a mentor when I was in college. And he said, I, I would challenge you to make a bucket list of things. And I thought, man, I can do that. There's so many things I want to do. There's so many cool things I want to do. And I can make this list of all the great things that I want to do. And then he challenged me with this. He goes, make the list. He came back a little bit later. He goes, how's your list going? I said, man, I got 20 awesome things. This is great. And uh, and he goes, all right, I need you to make that list 150. And I'm like, "1 150? Like 150 different things? Like how is that going to work out? I, and he said, you'll be surprised. The longer your list gets, the less it becomes about you. And I went, huh. And, and I took that challenge and I tried to write down as many things as I could. There was still one thing significantly at the top of my, my bucket list that actually happened 10 years ago this week. And, and my dream came true. I have a picture. I got to go to a game at Cameron Indoor Stadium on the campus of Duke University. There I am. Look at that. And uh, man, that's awesome. And I got to shoot baskets on the court before the game. Um, I, it was amazing that I got to do it. I got to sit there and watch. It was really cool at the time. Didn't even know it. They were playing Davidson and Steph Curry was playing for Davidson at the time. And so, yeah, I didn't know who he was. They just got beat. And so... Uh, cause that's who Duke is. They beat people. And so, but it was, it was fantastic. And there's all this stuff. And, and, and then the bucket list is there and, and there were other things that like, okay, what else do I add to this bucket list on here that are slightly less important to that? But I need to do that. Cause I was in college and it was like, we'll get married. Probably should go on there. Um, after going to a game, of course, but, uh, have kids. I, I, I love you, babe. You're, I just didn't know you at the time you were a child. And so, uh, we, uh, we, that's the, the bucket list. Thing. And, and, and as you get older and you check things off and it changes and it's, it's fascinating to me how we do that. We set these, these goals, these bucket lists, these things that are there. And I think that it's important to have goals. I think it's important to, to pursue those things. But you've probably heard it said a million times, what, what happens in the journey is more important than the destination. And, and I believe that really to be true. It's not just some kind of trite statement. Um, there are things that are there, but but getting there, because what happens on the way is where we really have the change. What happens on the way is where we really encounter these new changes. These things are going to have as great impact in all that. And, and the, the problem is we live in a culture and maybe we've created this culture, but we live in a culture of instant gratification. Like that's what we want. We live in such a way that you're sitting there right now thinking, what do I need? Amazon, it'll be at your house before you get home. Unless someone takes it in your front porch, right? But in that case, you have a ring doorbell. You can watch them take it, and then you can, immediate gratification to know who took it, you can screenshot it, send it to police. Like, everything we do is we want it right now. Like, that's the kind of culture. We stand at the microwave going, hurry up, hurry up. What's taking so long? Unless it's Chick-fil-A, it's a long line of the drive-thru, right? Chick-fil-A just pumps you out like that. Like, man, thank you. My pleasure. Like, it's just, it just happens in all that stuff that we want that. We live in the right now generation that's there, but we live in such a way that we want everything right now, and we don't really care about the consequences of those choices. And then we realize, well, why is this happening? Well, because I hit the fast-forward button. And we want to do that. And we want to trump what's going on and the thing that's there. And, and it's, it's a lot of different things that we, that we have this instant gratification thing for, whether it's online stuff that we go to because we want gratification. Maybe it's because we can't wait to, to watch that next show. And so we're going to binge watch that show. And yet we wonder why we don't have time to have a reading plan. But I can watch one more episode of whatever on Netflix. And I'm speaking to myself here as much as I am you guys. And 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 it's hard to think about that. What what are we going to do to fast forward the process to get more money, to get the cash, to get the promotion, to get the girl, to get the guy, to get the to get the to get the. I I had a guy tell me one time talking about ministry. He said, Alan, you just got to know this. God's everywhere. Go where the money is. I'm like, legit, that's how you make a job about a church job position. And he's like, yeah, God's everywhere. Go where the money is. So he just always looked for that. I don't talk to that guy anymore, but, uh, but he, he did. And, and here's, here's what it makes me think about is this, an intense desire, when an intense desire collides with an opportunity to satisfy it, judgment gets clouded and consequences are blocked from consideration. I'm going to read that one more time because that's hard hitting in that moment. When an intense desire For whatever it is, maybe good, maybe bad, maybe moral, maybe immoral, maybe secretive, maybe public. I don't know, but I'm just talking about when an intense desire collides with an opportunity to satisfy it. Judgment gets clouded and consequences are blocked from consideration and instant gratification wins again. And I don't believe that's how God designed us to be. I I don't believe that's how it is right there. Like, what if God has a different plan somehow? Let me challenge your heart on this. Isn't patience one of the fruits of the Spirit? See, I don't feel good, dang it. But it is love, joy, peace, patience. And we're trying to undercut that and get everything we can as fast as we can. So what we're basically saying is, my desires are more important than the fruit of the Spirit you tell me to have in my life. When are we as Christ followers going to have a different example out there of what patience looks like? Are we okay with that? Now, does that mean you need to get everything by snail mail and no more email? I'm just only doing snail mail. I'm not saying go to extremes with it and ignore technology. But I'm saying we've got to honor God in the choices that we make. We've got to hear his voice as his sheep and obey those voices. In Jewish culture, the word that that meant to hear and the word that meant to obey were the exact same word. Shema was the word. And so in Jewish culture, there was no differentiating between hearing and obeying. Because if you didn't obey, then obviously you didn't hear. My kids are good at differentiating those things. I didn't hear you, Dad. Yeah, you heard me. You didn't obey. And there are consequences. For... Like, but, but we've separated those things when the way God designed it in the Jewish culture is to hear is to obey. They are the same. And when we have choices to make when God puts this on our hearts, when he gives us these things. And it's not like he's hiding it from us. He's got a whole book of things that he challenges us to do. That he calls us out to do in these things right here, um, to be able to do that. And so we, we say the fruit of the spirit is important, but we live in an on demand life. We want to live on demand. And I want patience and I want it right now. Like that, that's our mindset so often. Or maybe it's just my mindset so often. But, but God wants to teach us that, I believe. I believe part of being a sheep and hearing his voice is knowing how to respond. Is knowing what to do in the right place at the right time with the right thing. And we are not to be childish. When I was a child, I felt like a child. I acted like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. We can't stand and scream and say, all I want is a Barbie dream car. Like, that's not where we're supposed to be screaming. That's what kids do. We're supposed to be saying, God, I want your will. Speak it to me and let me obey And we have an example in Scripture. If you have your Bible, you can go to Exodus 13. That's where we're going to start today. We're going to end in the New Testament with a thought at the end. But Exodus 13 is where we are. Let me set the stage for where we're at. These are the people of Israel. They've been in captivity in Egypt for 430 years. And literally to the day, they're going to get set free. Because all the plagues came and all this stuff, and they put up with the frogs, they put up with the locusts, they put up with the stuff, and then finally they started killing people, right? And they put the blood on the door for the Passover so that the death spirit would pass over them and it would take out the first four. You you, you can read all about the plagues and this kind of stuff earlier in Exodus. I'm not going to give you a history lesson, but I want you to know where we are. So we're in that moment, and Pharaoh has finally had enough. And he calls Moses and and Aaron into his office, and he says, guys, get out of here. Take your people and go. We're tired of this. We don't want anybody else dying. Y'all get out of here. So finally, the message got across and they're able to go after four hundred and thirty years to the day. God's timing is so good and we question it all the time. Or maybe it's just me because I want what I want. and I want it right now. And God, I think I know what is best. He's like, I'll tell you what's best when it's best for you. And these were four hundred and thirty years of captivity. So we pick up the story. Exodus 13, verse 17 is where we're going to start. It says this when Pharaoh let the people go. God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. Hmm. When the people were let go, God says, I'm not going to take you on the short route. Can I tell you that many times we serve the God of the long road? But we don't like the long road. We want the short road. We want now instant gratification on demand. That's the life that we live. These are catch words that, that, that catch our eyes anyway. How can we do it faster, easier? And God says, sometimes that's not the best way. And he says, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said this, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Uh Oh, like he knows where they've been. they've been in captivity for four hundred and thirty years. That's generations of people. Now they're free. They're let go. We're going to walk out of here. Grab your stuff, guys. Let's get it all. And you're talking probably a close to a million people, plus the cattle and all the sheep and all the stuff, plus their stuff, plus they grabbed all the, the, the unleavened bread that they were making at the time and, and all their supplies, and they're carrying this out. So this is a massive amount of people, and they're being let go. And God says, if I take them the short route through the Philistine way... It says if they face war, they might change their mind in return and think being in captivity is better. But if you've had me in captivity for four and thirty years and now I'm headed to a promised land, I want to get there as fast as I can. Like You made a promise and I want that promise delivered and I want it now and I want to get there now. And you're going to take me on the desert road. You're going to take me around a mountain over here. You're going to take me and there's a giant body of water in our way. How is this going to work for us? Like we look at it, the big picture now, they're in the moment of this and God knows best. And so he says, I'm going to take you the long route. You're not going to go the short route because you're going to face the Philistines and you might get afraid. See, the enemy uses that tactic almost as much as anything else is the tactic of fear. And and I've said it bunches of times to y'all and to students because it's so vital, important to hear. Fear is counting on you forgetting who God is. But faith reminds you who you are in Christ, and you can do all things through him who gives you strength. And so God knows that, and he said, they might change their minds. What would change their minds? Fear. So I'm going to protect you from yourself. I'm going to protect you from your fear because God knows us better than we know ourselves. And if we trust that, it may not make sense in the moment, but he sees the big picture. So he says, I'm going to take them on the long route. Verse 18, so God led the people around by the desert road through, uh, toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. See, they knew that a battle might be coming, but God said, it's going to come on my time, not yours. So always be prepared for battle, but God's going to bring you to the battles you need to fight. And too often, at least I in my life, pick too many battles that aren't worth fighting. And I step into those battles and try to fight them when there's no business for me to be fighting them. Because I'm not even supposed to be on that road. Get to the desert road, Alan. Quit being a moron. You'll avoid some of these battles you don't even have to fight. If I would just listen and obey. And that's what's happening to them. They're armed for battle, but God's protecting them from battle. Battles are to come. We're going to get there, right? We already did the Take the Land series when they had to go and fight and do all that stuff. But the preparation. They weren't ready to fight when they came out of the Uh, of Egypt. They had to take a journey to get ready. God knew when they would be ready. God knows when you're going to be ready. He knows that. So we jump to verse 20. It says, after leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. I'm sure it was hot and sweaty and they were tired of it. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. And I I happen to have a couple of pillars of clouds and pillars of fire right here. Uh, Clara McDonald made these for me in preschool. And so I'm so grateful for that. And our kindergartners followed by day and by night down the hallway today. And they put their little tent over their head at night like it was awesome. And so uh, they allowed me to have these that are here. That is a picture. I love it because our Disciple Now theme in a few weeks is the fire of God. And the fire of God sometimes represents His presence. And a lot of times we live in fear of fire because all we think it does is damage. It's just not true. God's presence can show up and lead and guide us. But here's the deal. When He says, I will never leave you or forsake you, here's evidence. He made it physically visible. His presence was evident. This is the way. Walk in it. Day or night, I've got you. You can see me. Now, they didn't have what we have. Day or night, you can see God. If you will look for him, he says, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. But are we digging into God's word? Because if the only time you're reading it is when we open it on Sunday mornings, you're missing out. You're starving to death. This is where we see God. Could he do a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day? Absolutely he could. He's God. But what he did instead is he gave us this book. and said, my word will be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. You want to know the way to walk in it? Shine the light on it. Let's get into God's Word. Let's let this thing be a part of who we are and what's happening in it. So he presented himself to them and said, Here we go. This is what we're going to do. Now, the Israelites could have had a straight shot to the Promised Land, They could have gone right through the Philistine way. It was the shortest route. But God took them a different route because sometimes he's the God of the long road. And we get mad at him for it. Even though we've seen him be faithful. We've seen evidence of it in his word. We've seen evidence of it. It's in our lives. We've seen evidence of it in other people's lives. And yet we still get mad when it affects me because I don't like it. And if it doesn't go the way I want it to go, then it must be wrong. How foolish are we? How foolish am I? I think I'm smarter than God and I'm not. And he's got this for and, and he takes the long route. Why? Because he gives us what we are ready to handle when we're ready to handle it. That's what he gives us. And he says, with him, all things are possible. But apart from him, we can do nothing. Like, I'm not sure about you. I don't want to be in that camp that apart from him, I can do nothing. I don't want to be apart from him because that nothing is going to overwhelm me. But I want to be able to do all this. Now, for me personally, in, in my confession, I just confess it before you. I'll turn my man card in if I need to. I'm directionally challenged. I, I can get lost on a one-way street. I I just... I struggle with that. Um, The GPS has been a world saver for me. I just, I love it. I put it in and that's where I'm going to go, right? And it just tells me where to go and I don't have to worry. My wife is amazing. She can go somewhere and five years later go, yeah, I know how to get there. Like, what? I just don't have that sense of direction. I'm a complete moron. And so I trust the GPS that's there. And it's interesting to do that. Even if I know where I'm going, I put it in the GPS anyway because it's going to tell me the fastest route to get there. Oh, that's where traffic's going to be. You should go this way. Like, I do that even if I know where I'm going. I'm checking to see where that is because I am determined to get where I'm going as fast as I possibly can. And we've created that mindset because of this on-demand culture that we have that we think God should treat us that same way. God, you're my GPS. You're going to guide me, but you better get me there the fastest way possible. He is not under any obligation to get us where he wants us to go on any set of our time because he knows what's best. And you go, that doesn't make sense. I'm going from Austin to Dallas. I'll go 35. No, I want you to go by way of Lubbock. That makes no sense. But he's protecting us from something or he's preparing us for something. And we have to trust that even the long route is what's best for us. And, and that's where they're walking through this because God isn't concerned with how quickly he can get you somewhere. He's concerned with the kind of person you'll be when you get there. He's concerned with the kind of man that I will be when I get there. And I, and I tell this to our students a lot and this kind of thing. Like the choices you're making now are going to have an effect on you as a husband and a wife and a mom and a dad down the road. And, and there's a reason that I didn't get married until I was 32 years old. There was a lot of preparation that had to happen in my life. A lot. Other people get married when they're younger. That's fine. There's not a set number in that. It's just an example that I'm using. But there's preparation that goes into it along the way. And if we hit the fast forward button, we're asking for trouble. Just because you want it or you think you can't control your flesh in it doesn't mean that's God's will. And we've got to be careful where that's at because transformation doesn't take place on the short road. Transformation takes place on the long road. it's, It's the things you walk through, the pain, the struggle, the fight, the perseverance, the humility. It isn't easy for that. Now, any artist will tell you, whether it's painters or sculptors or musicians or whatever, artists will tell you that their greatest work typically came out of their toughest trials. Right? It's it's the hard times that brought this creativeness out of them. Taylor Swift would have no songs without breakups. I mean, I think she does it on purpose. Like, we need to break up. I got to write a song. So because you break my heart. Like, I, I, but out of the tough times is when the creativity comes. That's when transformation comes. That's when the best work comes. It doesn't always feel good when God refines us. It doesn't always feel good when he scrapes off the rough edges. It doesn't always feel good when he brings the sandpaper to us. But the goal is to make us more like Jesus, not make us happy. And this on-demand mindset that I have way too often that if it doesn't feel good that it must not be from God is a lie from the pit of hell. It's not about how I feel. It's about me being like Jesus. I wasn't made for this planet. I'm too comfortable here sometimes. And when I have this on-demand that I want to feel good in this place that wasn't made for me, what am I missing out on in being prepared for the place that is made for me? That, That I say I want because of this. See, the problem is we try to coach God to the shortest route. God, listen, I, really, I know what's best. Like I-35 is awesome. It's great. It'll never have construction again. I can just go straight there, right? And he's like, no, 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 love it, love it. And he's taking me around to do that. We complain and get upset because we want the easy way. But when you try to coach a perfect God, nothing good happens. I've got to stop that. If there's something in 2019 that I need to stop. I need to stop telling God that I know what's best for me that I've got it figured out. I've I've lived enough life now. I've got no, no, I'm just getting started. It's still so early on in this kind of thing that's, that's there. We don't get to decide where the pillar of clouds and the pillar of fire goes. We trust it. It's not our job to tell it where to go. He directs our lives. And whatever it is, the pillar of fire, the pillar of cloud, his word that's a lamp unto our feet, whatever it is, that's what we trust and quit complaining or maybe that's just me that his way is the best it may not feel the best or seem the best or make the most sense in the moment but when i know it's his will because it matches up with his word i can trust it and i can take that long route if i need to the long road is where you get to know god the long road is where he has people set up intentionally to bump into you to make you more like jesus and for you to make them more like jesus it's why do we value these small groups that are that are even beyond our Bible fellowship hour. Yes, that's important. But there's a ton of you that serve during that hour. Thank you. You're making a difference in these preschoolers and kids' lives. You're making a difference in our students' lives. It's fantastic, but it comes at a cost. You lose your small group deal. We want to get you connected. We want everybody. There's people moving here all the time. They can be very lonely. We want to get you connected. Help us. Talk to us. We want to do that. Brett is passionate about creating some of these midweek groups. And midweek means any time but Sunday morning. And how can we get together in those moments? Like, gosh, I don't have enough room on my plate. Alan, my plate is so full. I can't add another thing to it. Okay, then what's on your plate that you can add people to? That's a great way of looking at it. But we need this. That's part of the long route that's there. We get to bump into people that are going to help us to push us to be more like him. All right, give me some examples. I'll give you some. Matthew chapter 3, we're not going to turn there. I'm just going to tell you about it, is John the Baptist. That's his story. Look at him. He spent how long in the desert, years in the desert, wearing camel hair and eating locusts and honey? Like, boy, that's a nice life. But that's what he did. It was the long route out there. I'm sure it was hot and sweaty. I bet camel hair is itchy. Like I, I just can't imagine. Like I'd want. Like I'm gonna kill that cow. I don't want to eat the locust anymore. Like I, I would be complaining. But he stayed faithful in the desert. He stayed faithful in the long road. And what happened? He got to baptize Jesus. That's pretty cool. I mean, look at Jesus himself in the very next chapter, Matthew chapter four. Jesus spends 40 days in the desert by himself, and he's not even eating. Not even locusts. Like he got nothing. He's just fasting the whole time. And then he has to have a one-on-one fight with the the devil. I thought about that a few weeks ago. He went through all of that. Why? What happens at the end of that? Man, disciples and ministry, and he changed the world. He went through the long road. God's never going to ask us to do something he's not willing to do himself. And he sent his son on the long road. It could have been very easy for God to say, all right, here, we're going to put Christmas and Easter within the same weekend. All right, you're going to be born on Friday. You'll die on Sunday. You'll raise from the dead Wednesday. And he made it an event-based Christianity. That's not what it is. I mean, if that's what God wanted it to be, event-based, he would have popped out of the womb, onto the cross, into the grave, back to heaven. That'd been the easy route, right? But he spent 33 years here living it out, being rejected, being beaten, being everything that you can imagine that we've ever gone through. I'll show you the long road. And he was God. And he did that for us. that's a big deal. You know, we make a big deal of football and and it's, you know, playoffs and all the stuff that's going on right now. I read a quote by Tom Brady. You know, know, he's playing today and and I hope he loses. Am I allowed to say that in church? I don't know if I'm supposed to. But uh, anyway, he wrote he said this quote and he said this. He said, why do I have five Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is it. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. And I think, God, there's got to be more than this. I mean, this can't be it. This can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I love playing football and I love uh, being quarterback for this team. But at the same time, I think there are a lot of parts out there about me that I'm trying to find. And that's a guy we would call successful. That's a guy who married a supermodel, five Super Bowl rings, has more money than he'll ever spend in his life. Everything he wants at his disposal. And he said, there's got to be something more, doesn't there? God, what else is out there? Well, what out there is we were created for a relationship with God. And until we enter into that, we're going to be craving it. And I wish someone would tell him. I wish he'd hear. I wish he'd listen because he could make a huge difference in there. We're going to wrap up in the New Testament. If you turn to Philippians 3, this is where I want to kind of land the plane right here if I can. Because this idea of the long road and what's going on, what does that look like for us? I, I, I don't think God's going to say go to Dallas by way of Lubbock in a very literal sense. But what does it look like in our lives today? In 2019, what is the short road, the long road? What does that look like for us? And Paul said in Philippians 3, verses 10 and 11, he said this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. It's in that scripture right there. Let me let me explain that to you. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Who doesn't? I want resurrection power in my life. Absolutely I do. I want resurrection power to overcome anything. I want to be able to push the the super resurrection button and put on my cape and go overcome anything. I want that. But can I tell you this? Resurrection power doesn't come without something dying first. It doesn't come first. Resurrection power only comes from death. See, the way God works is so different than the way we do. But he tells us in there, I've been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. It's Christ that lives in me. And the life I live is not for me, but I may proclaim who my Father is in heaven. That is what it's about right there. If you want resurrection power, are you willing to die to yourself first? Are you willing to take the long road? Because the short road says, give me resurrection power. The long road says the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. See, we want to skip that part. We want to fast forward through that part because I don't feel good. That's not for me. Just give me the resurrection power. That's what I want. He says, take the long road. You'll get there because the long road is where you die to yourself. Luke 9, 23 through 25. I'm going to read these to you. It says, then he said to them all, this is Jesus talking. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? That's a great question. And the long road involves carrying a cross. Take up your cross daily and follow him. The provision that's there, the fire of, filler, uh, of fire or, or pillar of cloud by day, that he's providing that for us. But are we willing to take up the cross? Are we willing to follow on the long road? So I guess the question is, which road are you on? And which road do you want to be on? Because this is where the rubber meets the road today, and now you're responsible because you've heard it. And I'm responsible because I've heard it. And there's got to be some changes in my life and quit hitting the fast-forward button and living an on-demand life in a world that requires me to have patience to show people Jesus. So what road are you on? What exit do you need to take today? I just want to pray over you and let you respond. The going to come up and we're just going to have a time of response for that. I don't know what that looks like for you guys. There will be prayer people up here to pray with you. Maybe you need to come be by yourself at this altar. There's Lord's Supper stuff over there as well. What you need to do is just respond correctly to this, to the challenge that's been laid out to you about the easy road or the long road and where you're going to journey this year because you're brand new. You're 13 days into a 365-day trip you got a whole lot of time to make a decision of what road you're going to be on. And I think you want God's best. It may seem weird. It may seem long, but it's going to be so worth it. Let me pray over you.